You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. The text for our meditation this morning is from the gospel lesson read just a few moments ago. Dear Christians, how often have you heard this thrown back in your face? Judge not, and you will not be judged. It seems like of all the places in Scripture where people go to get Christians off their backs, it's this place they'll turn to first. They'll say, you Christians shouldn't judge us. You shouldn't judge that couple living together outside of marriage. You shouldn't judge homosexuals and say that if they're practicing sin, they should stop. You shouldn't judge abortion to be the murder of an innocent life. How dare you judge when your own Bible says you shouldn't? Now, that's one way to read this verse. But I would be careful not to be trapped by such simplistic attacks. Because it's with this sort of approach to Scripture that you can really make it say whatever you want. The other way to take this passage is to actually understand it in its broad context. You know, what is it that comes right before the verse? What is it that comes right after it? What is Jesus really trying to tell us? Now, it seems to me that's the honest way you would take any document. But, dear friends, if we take the time to do this, we'll find that this passage is much more troubling than we might have first imagined. It's more troubling because it teaches us that we should be judged by God for judging and that we would be found guilty. But thanks be to God that our Heavenly Father doesn't deal with us according to our judgments, but according to His mercy. And it's when we receive this mercy that we do stop judging. And in fact, we see the whole world in a brand new light. Dear friends, it's because of the Father's mercy that our eyes are opened to see both our God and our neighbor truly. The fundamental problem of this text revolves around to whom it has been given to judge. Is it somehow up to us or is it up to someone else? And the way we answer this question will determine whether or not we stand under Jesus' accusation of being hypocrites. Think back to Jesus' parable where he says, How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Dear friends, the log that is in our eye is the delusion that somehow we are in some sort of position to render a judgment upon our neighbor. That's probably because we think that we're perfectly capable of calling good good and evil evil. Why not? From our perspective, it's so clear. This is how I see the world. And as far as I'm concerned, this is how people should live, according to how I see it. And the way the world would have us believe, how you determine right or wrong really boils down to a matter of personal taste. You know, what's right seems to be that which helps me the most, and that which is wrong is that which probably hurts me. Well, we have to consider other people out there, don't we? So, okay, 
maybe what's right is what helps me as long as it doesn't hurt my neighbor. But as long as that happens, then we shouldn't really worry about, you know, what's the truth of what's right and wrong. But then we have to ask ourselves, is this really the way we're supposed to be seeing the world? Does right and wrong really revolve around our judgments about it? Jesus' parable is truly brilliant. He says, one brother says to another one, Hey, let me get the speck out of your eye. It shouldn't be there. And all the while, he doesn't even realize he's blind. He can't see. Rather than seeing the world for what it is, he's acting upon an idea of the world from his own imagination. And dear friends, it was the same way when both Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan to eat from the tree that God clearly told them would kill them if they even touched it, let alone ate it. God told them how things really are. But they were overcome by a lie. And they deluded themselves into thinking that eating the fruit would be okay. And so rather than believing in God and trusting in His judgment, they rebelled against Him and took upon themselves the role of judging what is good and evil. And as you all know, in doing so, they lost their sight and became spiritually blind. And how can blind people judge rightly? How can they say, how can they see who God really is? And how can they really know what's good for their neighbor? Dear friends, Satan hasn't stopped attacking the reality of God's word with a lie. And as our first parents were deceived and blinded, the truth is, so are we. Because rather than reserving judgment for God, we convince ourselves that we're perfectly able to judge. How often, in the secret moments in our heart, do we look at the pain in our own lives or perhaps the pain and suffering happening in other people's lives and we, and we judge God? We say, Lord, if you truly are loving, how can you let this happen? How is this just? How often do we come across a difficult passage in Holy Scripture? Something that really cuts us to the core of our being. Something that possibly catches us and something that we don't want to be found in. And so when we say to ourselves, we try to excuse it by saying to ourselves, you know what, my God, my God really wouldn't say this. This must be some sort of mistake. How often have we judged our neighbor, speaking out against him in anger, and even cursing him, cursing him to, to hell, something that only God reserves for himself, the destination of one's soul. And even when we try to help our neighbors, it seems like we end up falling into a pit because we don't know what's good for either of us. And dear friends, because we blindly judge both human and divine things with the authority of God the Father, we do deserve to be judged. And we should be found guilty of trying to literally be God. So it turns out Jesus is right. We're hypocrites. Because we pretend to see when in reality we're truly blind. But despite our blindness, despite our hypocrisy, our Heavenly Father judges us in mercy. Out of His unfathomable love and kindness, 
He passes over our false judgments. And instead, He judges someone else in our place. Yes, dear friends, even though our sinful flesh would like to read this whole gospel lesson as a list of things that we should do to somehow be found worthy in God the Father's sight, at the heart of this very passage is really the Father's mercy towards us. In the verse right before the first one in this gospel text, Jesus says, The Father is kind. He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. And the ungrateful and the evil are certainly ourselves who have been blinded by sin. He knows that we presume to judge in His place, and nevertheless He sent His Son, Jesus, to bear bear the punishment that we deserve. As Jesus hung extended upon a sinner's cross, He willingly endured the Father's judgment, and He suffered it unto death, pouring out His blood to appease the Father's wrath. But after he, was di- after he died and was buried, another judgment per- was pronounced. A judgment of vindication as the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And it is this new resurrected life that Jesus pours out upon you in your holy baptism through which you die to sin and arise to new life in Christ. When the Father looks at you now, He doesn't see someone who's trying constantly to take over his place as judge. No, dear friends, he sees someone who has been covered with Christ. Someone who is holy and blameless. Instead of being his rebellious enemies, now you are his beloved children with the promise of eternal life. And dear friends, this changes everything. Your blindness has been cured. The log has been removed from your eye. The gospel of Jesus Christ has brought new light into your life. And that light is the, is the truth of God's word. It is through this word that you see the world as it really is. St. Paul writes, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so now you, having been fully trained in the good news of Jesus Christ, are therefore made like our teacher, who freely forgives and gives. And it's living in this new light that everything that Jesus says in this gospel lesson takes on a whole new dimension. Indeed, it becomes as clear as day. Jesus says, be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Dear friends, do you see how everything starts with the Father's mercy? And it's only from this perspective that it's good and right to talk about how Christians do good works for their neighbor. The first and greatest of these Christian good works, of course, is speaking the gospel to one another. And this begins especially with how we talk about judgment. No, we don't judge our neighbor. Instead, we point our neighbor to the judgment that was made against sin and the death of Jesus Christ, and how through that death, he atoned for all of our transgressions. Now, does this mean that we somehow ignore our neighbor's sins? By no means. In fact, it means the opposite. Out of love, we point them to the truthful light of God's word, not out of some sort of conceited pride or arrogance, 
but so that they too, like us, can know the depravity of their condition and their need for their Savior. And far be it from us for telling them only about their sins. And that's why we tell them about the Father's mercy in Christ by pointing them to their forgiveness and holy baptism. And so we tell them about the treasures that they will receive from hearing the pastors preach and from receiving even Christ's very body and blood for their forgiveness, life, and salvation. Far from being condemned, we tell them that they are acquitted and that they have peace with their Father in heaven. We also work to care for our neighbor's bodily needs, as Jesus urges us to do, by freely giving as we have received everything, every single thing from the Father's merciful hand. And this goes as far as providing for our neighbors, even when they are slow to hear and to receive the mercy that they have in Jesus Christ. You see, despite how our neighbor feels about sexual immorality or covetousness or the true nature of right and wrong, we have to be eager to support them in any struggle that they're going through. And even though we don't do these things for any sort of reward, but spontaneously, out of love, think about the wonderful blessings that Jesus promises us in this gospel lesson. He says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Dear friends, Your reward, the very crown of life, is already yours. It has been promised to all who believe in Jesus Christ, their Savior. And so you have the promise of everlasting life and being in the presence of God and all the saints in the resurrection of the dead. Finally, dear friends, as your new pastor here at Hope Lutheran Church, it really is my fervent desire that I also remain humble in my divine call and to by no means think of myself as be above my teacher, Jesus Christ. As Jesus says, it is enough that I be like him. And to that end, pray that I also remain firmly in God's word according to his grace. For I too must not trust in my own judgments about what is right and wrong, what is true and false, but rather to faithfully convey the only truth that we have in God's holy word. And yes, this means that I'm going to speak the law, to expose the logs that are lodged in all of our eyes. But most importantly, this means that I'm going to speak the gospel, the promises of mercy that we have in Jesus Christ, our living, our risen Lord and Savior. To him alone be the honor and glory. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. 
Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.